Hey, this is Joey, and you're listening to the Global City Mission Podcast. Today, I am joined by my co-host, uh, Mr. Chris Marsden, Director of Operations with GCMI. But we're also excited because today we're joined by uh, Mr. Dave Smith, one of the team members we have out in Phoenix. And on today's podcast, we're going to sort of be checking in with Dave, learning a little bit about his story, how he came to GCMI, and then also kind of get an update of what things look like for them in Phoenix, how things are going. And we want to continue a conversation that we began really over the last few different episodes, just about that relationship between the local church and missionaries and mission organizations. So we're going to kind of continue with that. But first, let me welcome both Chris and Dave to the podcast today. Hey, guys, welcome to be with me. Hey, good to be here. here. Glad to be here. Yeah, yeah. So Dave, um, you and I are in similar situations in the fact that we are newer to GCMI. We're kind of the, you know, I, I we probably have a couple of people who are newer than us, but we're on the, on the new end. Um, and I, I, and so this is your first time on the podcast with us. So welcome. And, and why don't you take first, just sort of kick things off, give us a little bit of your story, kind of your background and then your sort of way of finding GCMI. Yeah. So quick overview. I grew up in a non-Christian home, but came to faith in Jesus when uh, the army sent me to Indianapolis and I walked into a church looking for a date and uh, actually met the girl that I have now been married to uh, at 40 years this December, but Jesus got a hold of me through the Gospel of John and officially called me into ministry, and I've served uh, in different capacities in parachurch and local church local church ministries, but basically prior to GCMI, I was serving in uh, pastoral ministry, went back to Crossway Christian Church in Nashua, New Hampshire, which I'd had the privilege of helping plant in the mid-90s, and they asked me to come back and start a downtown campus. Of course, we're in the middle of COVID. I'm in a bit of a spiritual funk. And then the last week of December of 2020, God just really renewed and revived me. I think as a, as a follower of Jesus, placed to a new level of commitment and as a minister of the gospel. And as part of that revival and renewal, God, my wife and I just began praying for the world more than we had been, praying for unreached mm-hmm. people groups, praying for the persecuted church, but praying for Muslims during Ramadan and praying that the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few, Lord send forth workers of the harvest field. And we felt a very distinct call. Uh, this would have been February, March of last year. God said, well, I'm sending you. And we're like, wait a minute. Uh, my wife has MS, is in a wheelchair, been in a wheelchair now for almost 20 years. You know, we're not going to be, I can't see us, you know, going overseas to Afghanistan or right. anywhere. And, but as we prayed and discerned and began to sense that God was calling us to specifically focus on internationals here in the United States, and I had talked to Jared a couple of years prior, off and on. We had talked just to learn more about GCMI and my role over global outreach at the church. So I called him up and I said, man, I think God is like calling me to this. He's like rocking my world here. This feels like a call. And I knew if I did this, I wanted to do it in team. And so as I looked at GCMI and I saw that Adam was already here and he had gone to Ozark Christian College. In fact, his first four years there were my first four years teaching there. Although okay. I never, never had him in class. And that's a whole nother story. <laughs> <laughs> he was supposed to be in one of my classes and canceled because he thought it would just be North American church planning, even though it would have been an international focus as well. But, oh. I digress. but oh. my, young, my youngest daughter lives here in Phoenix. And so I said, well, I'm going to go visit her and hang with Adam and pray and just see what God does. That was last April. And the long and short of it is we're standing in Tempe, Arizona. And it's like, I felt a distinct call that God says, I'm calling you here. And I knew if it was real, it would, it would last. And I, cause I always said, I'd never want to raise support again. I've done that three or four different times and <laughs> we did. And 
my oldest daughter got pregnant with our first grandchild and they live in North Carolina. And I thought, well, if it lasts through that, I'll know it's real. So without belaboring it, it was God said, you're called. And so we, he raised the support. We got to find it and uh, we moved out here into November. So we, you know, December, of course, is getting settled in all that. We did a little bit of ministry, but I I feel like the ministry really kicked off January the 6th with an event at Arizona State University uh, with having a lot of international students. So that's kind of, that's kind of what got me here. Wow. Awesome. That is, that's really great. That's great. And uh, I I got to come out there and uh, visit with you guys here a couple months ago. Yeah, it was um, great. You know, you guys were talking a little bit before, before the, uh, we started recording just uh, the, the weather has changed a little since I've been out there and <laughs> you're, you're realizing the difference between New Hampshire and Arizona, you know, there's a yes. yeah. starting to get hot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I know. Um, I mean, you were still just getting things going when I was out there, but you were, you were working with some students there at ASU and, uh, and uh, beginning some, uh, some English classes in the evenings um, at a couple different local places. Um, how's, that, how's that going? What's, what's happening since I've been out there? Oh, you know, honestly, I, I just feel like God just showed me so much favor. Uh, truly, it, it's a God thing. So yeah, we started, you know, uh, Raul and Risa, who started kind of an English corner every other Monday night at Tempe Library. Right. But I've also been going to one, my wife and I both have been going to that one and one that ASU sponsors on Saturday mornings. And that's just given us a lot of connections with international students. We've had them over so many times, primarily seems like God's opened the door uh, with Taiwan and China, India. Mm. And we've, uh, we've been able to start, we now have like three DBSs going. Now one I would call more of a mobilization DBS with an Indian believer uh, and his Catholic roommate, who we also believe (laughs) is a follower of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. um, uh, and in trying to help them reach their Hindu roommates, who at this point have shown very little interest in scripture. <laughs> <laughs> but the other two, you know, are I've got a Taiwanese group and another one with a Taiwanese and a South Korean, and we're working our way through the Gospel of Mark. It's just been amazing. Now, this summer is a new awesome. season, not just because of heat, but because people, some of my friends, like one of the kids is going back to Taiwan for the summer, and some people are interning. But I've got my own, a couple other students I'm going to ask to do a DBS. I Literally, as we were getting ready to start, I just got a text from a young woman from China who we had to our house for dinner for the second time the other night. She's going back to China for good. But I followed up and said, in essence, you know, we'd love to talk to you about Jesus. And she just responded that she's interested in that even before she goes back in the next couple wow. of weeks. So that's been great. We've also spent some time with some of these uh, Afghan refugee pilots. They used to fly our Black Hawk helicopters in Afghanistan. So obviously when the Taliban came to power, they need to get out. Uh, Adam and I were with one of them the other night and Adam is kind of working through the first few chapters of Genesis talking about creation and fall. And then, you know, the promised Messiah that would crush the serpent's head and he would bruise his heel. And on his own, this individual, this Afghan pilot said, well, is, do you think that's talking about Jesus? We said, yes, we do. But you know, <laughs> yeah. he's not there yet. This was during Ramadan. And so, right. so it's been primarily with international students, I would say, and our Afghan friends have been the primary mission field up to this point. Yeah. I got to meet a few of those guys when I yes. was out there. It's great to hear that they're doing well and, you know, continuing to, to walk towards Jesus with, with you guys. That's awesome. We were in the same apartment. That's who we were with. Uh, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We were with, we're with, with him, uh, that particular. Yeah. 
So you've mentioned a couple of different groups. Is that so Afghani refugees and then a, a lot of these um, Taiwanese and Chinese? Is that what is that what that campus tends to attract or is that in the, uh, the, the area? What, what is that like? Yeah, that's a great question. So r- real quick. So, you know, the Afghan, obviously, they're here like in a lot of cities in America. because right. They've been they've come to escape uh, Afghanistan. Uh, ASU is home to like uh, 14,000 international students. Um, And the biggest senders would be China, India, used to be Saudi Arabia. But there's there's 126 countries represented at ASU. It's just, we we added up without even trying. We've had like 14 or 15 different countries in our house. I mean, it's been crazy, you know, from Hmm. Ukraine, you name it, Russia, uh, even, you know, Colombia, some South America. But it, it seems that I think the English corner, number one, Indian would be the predominant one. So they just kind of show up at everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. number two, with the English corner has been primarily Taiwanese and Chinese. And so that yeah. the Saturday morning one at ASU has been where we've been able to build relationships. And kind of the strategy has been we go, you know, and, and um, get to know them, help with English. And then I'll just very first time I meet somebody, I'll say, hey, you know, my wife's usually sitting there. I'll say my wife and I love to have international students for dinner. If you're willing, we'd love to have you. Can I have your contact info? And almost every single time people give it to me and then we'll have them over for dinner. And then that just takes the relationship to a whole nother level. They say over 75% of international students in this country will never enter an American home. So they consider it a real honor. You know, they're taking pictures of the food, the pictures of the of our pictures, you know. And then when I follow up with, say, a coffee or a lunch on campus, your relationship is a whole different level. And then I'm just praying about, okay, Lord, is it time to ask this person, would you be interested in, you know, basically I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm going to be your friend no matter what, but would you be interested in, in doing a Bible, a discovery Bible study on Jesus? And I get some no's. I, I had my Iranian friend yesterday actually said, no, I don't believe the content of the Bible or I'm against the content of the Bible. And I have another friend that even though he's not a practicing Buddhist says, no, I don't have time. And I'm, you know, from a Buddhist family. But he's a PhD student. This other guy is too. They'll be here five years, so I'm not giving up on him. I've got right, him. right. I've got right. him for four to five years. You, you've so. got a captive audience. You got. Him I do. Yeah. And and these are just the doors that God's opened so far. I actually had a coffee yesterday with a guy that's been in international student ministry on campus for about 12 years, and I said, in essence, hey, you know, speak into my life here. And he said, well, first thing is, uh, every semester is different. So who knows what next semester holds, right? Yeah, but. Yeah. Um, and then he talked about, obviously, the importance of patience, that it's like Jesus doesn't use agricultural analogies for, you know, by accident. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, you know, for me, I think about and I think it's it, this is one of the benefit. Uh, you know, I was very thankful for me when I started in my particular role, because kind of like kind of like what you're experiencing, God is he kind of like opens these doors right away. And it kind of it, and I'm I'm appreciative of those now. Because I, um, you know, when you hit a season where you're like, man, things are just slowing down, yes. you kind of have those seasons yeah. to fall back on. Okay, oh yeah, I remember God. Thank yeah. you for those early victories or those yeah. early openings that I can then kind of go back to and and just sort of renew my heart and soul as I wade through some of the, you know, some maybe a quieter season or or maybe a a, a drier season, uh, you know, something like that. So, no, I yeah. agree. He was interesting. He, the guy I was talking to yesterday was saying, you know, you think about the farmer, if he's waiting for the harvest, it's not like he takes an eight week cruise. He's doing other things, right? He's sharpening yeah. the tools. And I, I think in particular, again, I'm still just figuring out, are there other internationals? You know, you've got a sizable Somali population here. You've got 
Iranians. Uh, there's the Persian Cultural Center just north of us where you can go take Farsi, you know, if you want. And and so I don't know what else God's going to do, but I do think it's a great opportunity to, uh, to, to, to focus on people who are around. Like some of the students have more time, for example. I'm going to mm-hmm. be able to take kids hiking, for example, and that gets a great chance to talk. And honestly, to put more time into prayer, because I tell you, you know, one thing that keeps getting affirmed, affirmed, even as we go through the gospel of Mark is, you know, they'll have these insights, but you realize, man, unless God does what only God can do, unless he removes those scales, these people are not going to come to faith in Jesus. It's, I can't make somebody do that. Even if they have an insight about, yeah, we need to pray for receptive hearts, Mark four or Mark two and three. Yeah. People are more important than religious ritual or, you know, really great stuff at the end of the day you know, they don't come to faith in Jesus unless really God does. Only he makes hearts of stone into hearts of flesh. You know, we got right. our role to pray and scripture and say, Lord Jesus, use me. But man, at the end of the day, it's, it's his, it's his deal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So let's turn our attentions a little bit to, to a topic that, that has kind of come up a couple of different times in on the podcast. And I think it's really interesting. And that is the relationship between the local church or, and, and sort of mission agencies. Right. And to, to me, it's interesting because sometimes, uh, you know, as a person, you know, uh, uh, all three of us have this experience, but as people who've served in the local church and especially now us serving in, in a missions capacity, we have this unique uh, sort of view where we see the different sides of it. But one of the things I always think about is I always felt like, and I kind of feel like, You've got the missions and and the local church almost feel like these two people who share the same house, but just don't ever get get together. Right. And, um, you know, and just bridging that gap, you know, and bringing those two entities together so that, um, you know, uh, it's it it is, in fact, one body. You know, it's working for one kingdom. You know, it's not you do your thing. I do my thing. So I, I, I like the idea of especially us coming in and, and not that we have all the answers, but just sort of speaking to where we've seen positive things work and where we've seen, like, here's some things that we've seen from a church point of view and from a missions point of view that can really bring these two entities together um, to pray for one another, to encourage one another, to, to be, you know, from a church side, be more than just someone who sends money from right. a mission side, be more than just someone who shows up to ask for money. Right. right. So that's um, well said. Yeah. Uh, so I'd love to, you know, I'd love to get your thoughts on it. So let's, let, let me just kind of get, you've, um, you've had this experience. You've mentioned you've raised funds, you've, you've, you've church planted, you've done all these different things, you know, as from a church point of view, let's start there. What are some ways that you've seen or you think, or, or have experienced where the church has done a good job of really connecting with missionaries and, and those on the field? Yeah, great question. So uh, I'll start by my home church uh, back in the mid 80s. Uh, in fact, I was still in the army at the time. Uh, they had a 20 year, 20 church planting vision. So we were sending church planters uh, mostly in this country, but sent some other places and one to England, for example. And um, I think they did a good job, not just with support, but provide, but, but things like, for example, bringing back all the church planters uh you know, once a year to share what good things it reminds me when Paul and Barnabas come back after they've been sent out by the church at Antioch to tell what good things God's done among the Gentiles. So I think, I think in particular, our home church, my home church did a good job with not just the prayer, not just the support, but making, bringing people back home, uh, letting them realize that, hey, they're part of something big, letting them know they're loved, 
Of course, I've seen other churches, um, you know, send out short-term uh, members. When I was with uh, TCM, a mission that works in Russia and Eastern Europe, I coordinated short-term workers and they would go to our base in Austria and basically serve internationals that we were bringing nationals from other countries. We were bringing in for training. And so churches did a good job uh, serving as, and not, we, obviously not every ministry allows it, but serving, you know, taking care of them. Like in this case, taking care of their domestic needs, cooking and cleaning and all of that. But then coming back and being advocates for that particular, mm-hmm. uh, for the, for the mission, you yeah. know, which was, which was a good thing. So really just saying that we're going to do more than send a check. We're going to pray. We're going to financially support. We're going to encourage. We're going to call. We're going to write. Uh, and we're going to serve when we can. And sometimes that's sometimes a challenge. How can they serve? Sometimes there's specialty things they can do. I saw this in the church planting world as well as in the mission world. So sometimes somebody has a particular skill, you know, back when it was a cutting edge thing, you know, especially website development, for example. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I thought, how could somebody serve in our context out here? Because we have more of a relational ministry. It's a little more challenging, but especially, you know, there may be somebody in a church that uh, can donate time as an immigration lawyer, for example, if you haven't, mm. you know, how, how can we help some of our Afghan friends kind of navigate some of the craziness of what it means to seek asylum or to bring, you yeah. know, those kinds of things, yeah. basically. Yeah. So those are just some things that quickly come to mind. I know uh, when we first planted Crossway in New Hampshire, you know, we sent out missionaries to to work in, in with TCM, with Russian Eastern European nationals at the base in Austria. So we supported them, you know, we'd bring them back. Uh, we'd, we'd send people to visit and serve with them. Mm-hmm. So there's really a variety, a variety of ways that, uh, that churches can serve uh, the missionaries they send out. Yeah. One of the things I was thinking about when you, when you especially when you first started, started talking, I, when I was a senior minister uh, in Florida, I was bad at this. I, I'm just going to call it. <laughs> I was bad because I was, you know, I'd plan the year, I planned the thing and I would never consider, okay. And we always had like a couple of missionaries be like, Hey, can you come? And I was always, again, I was of course at the time, 20 something years old. So I, I knew everything. Right. Yeah. Um, was, was like, well, that's going to take away from what I've got planned. And right. And, and so that's one of those, really those key mindset things where it's like, okay, it's important. Like this has to really kind of be a part of our DNA. And so if, yes. if I'm the lead, lead pastor, or whatever a church, I got, you know, one of the things that for me, I was just leading the way of saying, this is something important. It's more than just something that our missions committee every once in a while gives a report on, um, but is important. So we're going to build in seasons. We're going to build in time where. Um, and I've seen, um, you know, I've seen churches say, Hey, look, every October is our, our missions month. And they will highlight missions through the month of October or November or or whatever. So, you know, really as senior leaders of the church, if we really want it to be a part of our culture and we want to be more than just, just check senders, you know, we, we have to look at our rhythm as a church. And and some of that means for me as, as the lead pastor, I've got to be you know, I got to kind of surrender a little bit of my, my control of the schedule and the control of the calendar uh, for the betterment, you know, the betterment of, of the kingdom and just say, look, you know what, this month is, we're going to make this a month out of it. We're, you know, if so-and-so yeah. comes in and we're going to have them come in. Yeah. From yeah. the, from the missionary perspective, you know, I, I found myself over the last few years, cause I've been, been in this role a little bit longer than, than the two of you guys. So I've, found myself in those rhythms of like going back to the same church again, of literally 
Cause I, I don't think they do a good job of remembering, Oh yeah, we got to get, you know, I mean, yeah. anybody on our missions list in to preach, but like, you know, because we're domestic, because we're local, right. Like I can kind of push myself into their calendar and go, Hey, so you haven't had me out for a while. Like, can I come out and preach for you? You know, like I'll just pick up whatever series you're in. So if you are that senior minister, who's got his 52 weeks plan, like what's a week that, you know, that topic could overlap with what GCMI does, or, you know, you know, one of your other missionaries who's, you know, doing good work somewhere else. Like where, where's a week that, that, that week that you have planned that has fit into your curriculum and your, your kind of teaching guideline, like, where does that fit in with, you know, and again, I, I find myself cause I'm just that guy just kind of pushing myself in and going, Hey, you know, I, I haven't been there in a while. Like, how do I fit into your schedule? But, but I think, I think senior ministers could do it the other way and go, you know, gosh, I've got this like, you know, six week series and, you know, week three could really touch on a good missions topic. Like, I wonder if any of my guys will be in town and could just slide in there and, you know, give myself a week off, but still keep kind of the congregation on the same, you know, same plan, same path that we had planned originally. Yeah, for sure. Um, so let's talk a little bit about it more from the missionary sort of point of view, because again, you know, the, uh, you know, the missionary sometimes feel, uh, feels like the guy who just sort of shows up when he needs money or, or to sort of do the tour. I remember, I, I remember when I was my la- in this last church, I sat on the missions committee and I remember feeling sorry for our missionaries simply because I was like, man, that tour that you guys have got to do to come through here and do all this talking, like that is, that's probably the worst part of your job. Like you'd rather just be on the field serving, but you've got to come back and kind of do these, these updates, which I mean, I think is good because I think it not only validates why, you know, you're being supported, but I think it also allows the body of Christ to celebrate what God is doing outside of, you know, what our ministry context, right? So I think it's, I think it's positive, but let's talk about from the missionary point of view, what are some ways that missions agencies, missionaries, especially for us, because we are a domestic orientated ministry, how can we continue to support or or be supportive of the local church and not feel like we're competing or, or we don't, we're off doing our own thing. Yeah, I think uh, you touched on some of it. And like you said, every context is different. So again, I'll just talk with things I've seen, especially when I was with TCM and just, you know, going overseas as a short-term missionary, you know, going to missions of Hope International in Kenya, for example. Mm-hmm. I think I think what missionaries need to realize, even though sometimes, especially whether you're domestic or overseas, especially if you're having people in that that can be kind of a pain if we're going to be candid. You're like, I just want to be yeah. doing my work and now I got to do all this is is beyond the fact that <laughs> beyond the pragmatic reason of it keeps the support coming quote which is that you can often think that way it's more like hey god this is a partnership and, and mm-hmm. god like you said it, it gives i'll never forget when i talked to church leaders when i used to go on the road for on behalf of tcm which again works in russia and eastern europe and, and church leaders would thank me thank you for letting us be involved in something beyond our own local context now, this is yeah. when the Berlin Wall came down, the Soviet Union is disintegrating, it's all opening up. So I think missionaries need to realize you have an opportunity to help people get a bigger picture of what God's doing around the world, right? Absolutely. Because God yeah. loves the whole Revelation 7. There's going to be every tribe, tongue, and nation. You have an opportunity to let, let Jesus begin to prick people's heart with his compassion, right? Yeah. You, it, I, the first mission trip I ever went on, it was 1984. I was 25 years old in the Army. 
it was one of those short-term mission trips that changed the lives of just about everybody on there. Several of us mm. went into ministry. If we didn't go into ministry, several became just strong, you know, Christians in their, their local context, you know, lay leaders. It was life-changing. I had never seen anything like the poverty in Haiti. I'd never seen anything like that. So I think mm-hmm. even though it's maybe hard, depending on the context there, to realize that, um, hey, people need to, to get that. And to your point, when you have to come back, like, so I'm going back uh, July. So my uh, my primary, I have really two Sydney, three Sydney churches, My the church I got to help plant, my home church, and then one I served at in Long Island. So I'm going back to preach at uh, the one in New England. But again, to give them, it's my job to give them a vision of what God's doing and the mission field all around them. I mean, yeah. there's international yeah. students, there's internationals all in New England, right? You yeah. know, somebody said, why don't you just stay here and do it? It's like, well, you know, I, I had that thought, but God said, no, you're going to Phoenix. So we're in Phoenix. That's why we're yeah. here, you know? Yeah. So I, I think I think to realize that you, you go that extra mile, not just for your own needs, quote, but because it's how God expands the kingdom. It's how he shakes mm-hmm. people up. It's how he gives them a heart for, yeah. for what he cares about. Yeah, I know just... Uh, just just this past weekend, I, I was at a church filling in, and I I just made a comment in the message about um, the Arab community here in Atlanta, which is not as large as, as anywhere else. But I, one guy walked up to me and said, "What? I, I had never heard that before." Yeah. And so yeah, yeah, you know, and it's it is that opportunity to be able to sort of speak into, um, uh, to the you know helping people to see beyond um, just their own life in general as believers. Let's be honest. We, we kind of get focused on our life and what we're got going on. I mean, uh, you know, I've got a little girl that's busy and I'm busy and, you know, so it's, it's easy to sort of put the, you know, inadvertently put this blinders on and focus, but we have the opportunity to sort of really open up the eyes of the church to say, man, this is what God is doing. Yeah. Um, don't, don't miss it. I also think that's encouraging. I think that can be encouraging yes. for the body to say, because again, it, it's a way of letting the body know, man, this, this God of the universe is still active and moving. Yeah. Um, and he's still doing amazing things. Like people are still the acts, acts two forty seven is still happening right now, even though you and I may not physically see it, it is. And and then I, as, as we, as the local body can celebrate that fact, you know, and, and, and yeah. feel encouraged. Yeah. I think, you know, even as you were sharing there, something came to mind, especially in the context of GCMI and the fact that we work with internationals, immigrants that many of, you know, some who may be staying temporarily to go to school, but some who are coming is to help, you know, to rise above the political debates, right. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. What we should are, and say, let's take God's viewpoint, which act 17, Paul says, basically God appointed times in history and boundaries of land for people that they may somehow reach out and find him. So let's take a step back and say, at the end of the day, God's king of the universe, and he's allowing this to happen for Mm -hmm. the purpose of people coming to know him. So as believers, let's not, let's embrace the moment, right? We're getting, I mean, you think about the fact I'm interacting with people from China, India, Saudi Mm -hmm. Arabia. I mean, these are not easy countries to send missionaries to, and they're (laughs) in our backyard and they want to learn English. I mean, yeah. you think about that. It's, it's amazing. It's a God thing. Yeah. Um, sort of as a way, I, you know, I, 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 one of the things too, I want to talk about kind of today with you guys is um, for, especially for the, 
for either the young, let, let, let's kind of break this down, young missionary going on the field, right? We've got, if we get those guys in the pipeline, right? Because one of the things we want this to be a resource. So I, for, for people, so, you know, I'm thinking about, okay, those new people we're, we're getting in the pipeline, we're, we're going to be sending out, what are some good pieces of, of advice and wisdom that you're going to want to give that young or that new missionary who's kind of in the pipeline getting ready to raise their maybe raising funds and about to go launch out what was dave what is something that you would just sort of encourage them with well i think the number one thing i would encourage them with i was really blessed to have a mentor i don't i was only i'd only been a christian three years when i went to seminary and i had a guy that really invested in me and he said going to seminary is like going to chef school he said you know you can learn how to prepare all kinds of dishes but if you don't eat yourself you're starved and, and he mm. used that as a way to really challenge me mm to keep my own relationship with Jesus vital and dynamic. So I think the number one thing I'd say to anybody, especially those going into the field or, or leading in a, a church, you know, here is your walk, your own walk with Jesus has got to be core. I mean, this has yeah. got to be something that you just lean into. And then I'd say, uh, the second thing I would say before I uh, stop would be the older I've get, people say, what's, what's, how have you, your view of ministry changed over the last 30 plus years that I've been in it? And I said, oh, that's easy. When I was young, I would say, this is about Jesus. When honestly, I'd be thinking, yeah, and my incredible gifts or charismatic mm -hmm. personality. You know, yeah. it's like, yep. you know, give God 60, 70 percent. I'll take the other 30, 40. <laughs> but, you know, here's the deal. Genuinely, it, this really is God's work. He chooses to use us. And, and, and I would encourage you to say, you know what? This is God's work and mm -hmm. let him do it in his timing. And I confess I'm an impatient person. I still argue with God about the pace in yeah. which he does things. But I would encourage Keep your own walk with God strong. Spend time with God in prayer and Bible and realize it's his work. You've got your role, but but because it's his works, that means you're depending on him. You're asking him to do what only he can do. He does the heavy lifting, and then you kind of walk in and and then do what he calls you to do, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's great. I, I would amen that all the way, especially about the, <laughs> you know, when you're early on, you're like, oh yeah. You know, I, I was thinking about, I was thinking about that very thing. Maybe a couple of weeks ago, I was like, man, God, you have been so good that like, I should be a train wreck, but you kept me. From it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, sometimes I'm still a train wreck. And he's yeah. still <laughs> me. Um, I had a train wreck day the other day. <laughs> Well, that makes me feel better too. Oh, dude, yeah. So yeah. those days, like I can't believe you using me. I'm such a mess. So yeah. <laughs> well, let's let's also speak a word of encouragement to the one that's been on the field for a while, you know, um, and um, who's been going at it. Maybe maybe you know they're not ready for the you know they're looking for the harvest, but you know it's it's hard waiting for crops to come bare. So let's speak to that that person before we kind of wrap things up. You know, it's interesting. I, uh, yeah, I read all these books about disciple, about, uh, you know, church planning movements, disciple making movements happening around the world. And then I, I was sitting down with a, a mission uh, leader here from, I think, Central Christian Church here in Phoenix. And he was saying, you know, I got to meet some of the authors of those books. He said, what they often don't put in the books is it takes like, even in those movements, it might take six, seven, eight, 10 years before you see something yeah. like that. Mm -hmm. So I think my encouragement, you know, I think I, the first person I think I ever heard say this was Rick Warren many years ago. He says, we overestimate what we can do in a year and underestimate what we can do in 10. Mm. So I would wow. say that to the person that's struggling and discouraged, like we all are, you know, to fix your eyes on Jesus and to run with perseverance, the race he's marked out and to know that, uh, our timing is not his timing. And I have to preach that to myself. And my wife has to preach it to me. 
Yeah. Like, what do you mean we don't have, we don't have, I don't, I'll say, well, how come we don't have all these people coming to know Jesus yet? She says, you've been at this four and a half months and basically what, what are you doing? <laughs> and so um, I think, yeah, to, to be patient and to persevere yeah. for whatever reason, that perseverance is a big deal to God because he keeps yeah. putting us in situations. And I, I know enough about a little bit about all of us to, that we, even whether it's health issues or, yeah. you know, all kinds of things that, we have to persevere. And I think yeah. God honors perseverance. So I would say persevere, you know, uh, Galatians six, I just saw that verse today. I don't even what context is, you know, do not become weary in doing good because at the proper time, you know, we'll, we'll reap a harvest. So, yeah, 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 definitely. Um, persevere, hang on, you know, and I think it goes back to that idea too, of keeping your relationship with Christ strong, because I think when you hit those seasons, or especially when you're hitting a season probably where you feel like it's, it's dry or you feel like you're not seeing any real fruit. It, it, as you were talking about sharpening the earlier, we were talking about sharpening the tools. That's where you make fall back to like, okay, yeah. I'm going to fall back right now and just be like, Jesus, I just want to be more, how can I be more like you today? And I just yes. want to honor you with that today. Yeah. yeah. And then you'll take care of the, you know, the, the, the other parts of it. So, totally. well, guys, man, I appreciate you guys hanging out with us today. Yeah, um, thanks Dave for joining us. Um, you great know, to be here. it's been great. We've been looking forward to having you on. I, I can't wait to have you on we're, again. I was say, we're going to have to have it on again. Cause there's a whole lot more story of how he went from being in New Hampshire to being in Phoenix. And you know, that's a <laughs> podcast episode or two in itself. So. Yeah. I think I, you know, we definitely will do that. We'll definitely, um, dive into, um, uh, we'll dive into that stuff. Here's what I yeah. will I will say about Dave before we get off because I think this is really cool. Uh, this stands out to me. Dave and I met for the first time in November, like flying into the Richmond Airport. So I'm standing there. Here comes this dude walking <laughs> off the plane, and uh, we sit down. We have lunch, and uh, he he goes through his story. Right, I tell him my story. He goes through his story, and then he's just talking about at the end, like, man, you know, I just just felt like I need to do something great for Jesus, and I'm thinking dude, you're killing me, man. Like if I had your resume, you know how many guys would die? Well, like would kill to have that kind of resume. You know what I'm saying? And, yeah. and just to be like, yeah, but you know, it's not over yet. I still have some breath in my lungs and there's still some kingdom to expand. And I'm like, man, Lord, I, I, I literally Dave, and I'm, I don't mean to make you blush, but I went home and told my wife, we need to move to Phoenix. I need to spend 10 years with this guy. <laughs> and then well, thanks. And then, and then I will be like, then I'll feel like I'm actually prepared for something ministry. So I just, I thank you for what you bring to our team, man. Thank you. I look Amen. forward to diving into your story more and, and just your wisdom um, and what that can bring to our team. So I just want to thank you, brother. Thank you. I appreciate your encouragement. And again, it's a God thing and I have my moments and that's why I need to be renewed and revived. And, you know, I repent daily. So, <laughs> <laughs> Hey, before we close, man, um, let's let's can we pray for you dave can we pray for Please, the ministry thank you of Phoenix? Very much. Yeah. chris would you mind doing that for us man and we'll yeah, close with absolutely. that absolutely father god we uh man we just thank you for this time that we get to spend with dave this afternoon we uh we thank you for his wisdom as we talk about how churches can be better partners with missionaries and how missionaries can be better partners with churches and you know god we uh we specifically pray for for dave and nancy as they're out there in phoenix and mm -hmm. um Man, in, in the, the years that so many of us are looking forward to for retirement, they're jumping into something new and uh, just going where you lead them and just uh, asking you to lead and, and um, just 
just bring them fruit, bring you fruit through them. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, and we just, um, we're just excited for them on our team. We're excited for the impact they're having on our team and the impact they're having around that area. And we just pray for those students at ASU, for those Afghani pilots and, and God, just for everybody that they bump into in the grocery store, at the bank, at uh, just the places that you lead, God, uh, it's your kingdom. And uh, we thank you for servants like them. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thanks guys. Yeah, it's man. fun Thanks to be lot. on with you. Appreciate it. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode. I want to thank Chris and Dave for joining me. And I've always want to thank you for joining us as well. I look forward to having Dave on the podcast again. If you are a pastor and you're listening to this podcast, we do want to let you know about something that we're looking to offer. And that is called our Church on Mission Partnership. The Church on Mission Partnership is a six-month coaching partnership. The purpose of this partnership is to provide coaching and training that helps churches become a missionary presence in their community. Our aim is to help churches develop a missional culture through a unique blend of leaders who have served both on the mission field as well as local churches. A mission-driven approach to coaching and training that will bring real-world experiences from those who've been on the front lines, as well as contextual coaching that has your church's unique people, leadership, and community in mind and practical learning and application to help your church move from the pew to the harvest. If you're also interested in some of our healthy evangelism seminars or one of our disciple-making cohorts, you can learn more about all of these at our website, globalcitymission.org. As always, if you have not already subscribed to our podcast, we would love for you to do so. You can do that wherever you get your podcasts, or you can go to globalcitymission.org slash podcast. That way you can stay up to date on all of our new episodes, as well as check out some past ones. Well, that's going to do it, and we will see you next Wednesday for a brand new edition of the GCMI podcast. Podcast.